0: everyone thank you so much for coming tonight we're delighted to welcome Thomas Skinner uh, who was most famously a contestant on The Apprentice he got very close to the final five despite often being on the losing uh, team and using some uh, charm and venom to get out of uh, to get out of being fired Uh, fans then warmed to his social media presence and particularly his catchphrase Bosch please welcome Tom Skinner Good, thanks. Thank you for coming.
1: Thanks for having us. Oh, I don't get nervous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, I thought we'd sort of start uh, just on um, sort of talking about your early life. Um, you've, you've spoken quite openly about having dyslexia. And I sort of wondered, how did that affect you at school? What was school like to you? And sort of, were you always, were you always looking for a sale from a pretty young age?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, so I'm dyslexic struggle with my reading and writing, always have done, yeah? And uh, I've had a lovely upbringing, you know, and uh, uh, it, it sort of... I did, it, I did, I suppose, struggle at school a little bit. I mean, I got expelled from school. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you like to hear about that? It was me trying to sell, to be fair. I OK, mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we grew up in... Uh, well, I grew up in, in, Rom- in a town called Romford, and um, everyone was always making money. Like, and my little group of mates was always a bit older than me and I just, I just uh, always wanted to earn a few, quid. my dad was always trading, you know, and, and um, I remember at the time I was, I had a couple of paper rounds, I set up, I set up market stalls and run for market, I worked on Saturdays in a barber shop, um, sweeping up there, Love making money, and I remember my friend Warren always had at least a tenant i go to school with, and I went to my dad, I went, Dad, how comes you never give me no money to go to school with, and he went, so I'm teaching you how to earn a few quid. He goes, you're out there grafting, you're getting your bit of readies, you save it up, and, and, you, and, you, and that's, that's how the world goes round. I went, come on Dad, don't be tight. Give us at least a of that i go to school with. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you ain't getting nothing, but I'll find something for you. And anyway, uh, a few weeks went past. and I remember coming home from, from football training or rugby, or wherever I was at. And me dad and me uncle Alan were in the front room, and I was the wrong side of a few beers and bottles of wine. There was a suitcase in my front room, and uh, this was one of my little buying and selling expertise, I suppose. And he said, in, the, in that suitcase, Tom, is uh, what you're going to do. And I went, all right, Dad, what is it? He went opening it up, and I unzipped it, and it was full of pirate porno <laughs> DVDs. <laughs> so he went, you're 14, mate, all your mates are watching it. You give me a pound each for each one, and what you do is you go three quid, two for a five, I'll crack on. I know, I'm like, that I will. So I went to school, put it in me, in me, uh, in me locker, had a draw, drawstring JD sports bag and I, was, and I knocked loads out and if I took like two or three hundred quid in the first day. <laughs> and after, after about two or three days, me JD string straw, uh, straw bag had got a bit tatty a few holes in it. I was in a lunch hall and I remember leaning over going, Miss, I'll have the, uh, yeah, I'll have the sausage, I'll have the mash. And as I leaned over, the bag just split. I thought, ah, oh, and there was a selection of porno DVDs across the, across the, the uh, dinner hall floor, and I got sent straight to the headmaster's office, and um,
0: that was my last day of school. Did, 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 did your dad support you? Did, he, did, he, did well, he offend you to the headmaster? Yeah, he did, actually. So, so
1: I remember sitting there, and, and, and at the time, my mum and dad were like just starting to sort of split up, and I was thinking, ring me mum, because me mum is the, you meet my mum, she would like, you come and she goes, want a sandwich, want a cup of tea? Can't do anything, me dad's quite an angry man. I like shut up, like. <laughs> and uh, I thought, ring me, mum. Please ring me, mum. Like, it's better for you. Ring me, mum. And he, he rang me, dad. And and my dad turned up half hour later. And when he come down here, he was going, look, mate. I'm just trying to teach him how to buy and sell. Like I saw I'm trying to teach him how. To, um, he went, yeah, but these are illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. I'd been on a few warnings before, and that was that was it. I got I got expelled. I, I was allowed to go back the following year and do my GCSEs.
0: Um, but yeah, that was me, I went, went to work from a young age and started grafting and loved earning money. Yeah, and so, so what did you do immediately after? How did you kind of, did you work for, your, for so I, the people you knew? Or? I worked for my dad for a bit. My dad used to sell, my dad actually what he used to do was put
1: DVDs in sweet shops and then go round each week and collect the money from the ones that had sold. And had like a little chain and, and uh, for the first couple of weeks I was in a warehouse in Rainham on the A13 with white spirits wiping off for sale Six stickers off DVDs and then putting them in piles and putting on new stickers and I thought oh, I can't be doing this, and uh, I started. We also, was I was buying and selling. I start I started working on on the market selling a uh, selling handbags. Believe it or not, and that was sort of my first real
0: trade buying and selling with public. And did you um what were the main sort of tips that you sort of picked up? Because I think anyone who meets you or, or saw The Apprentice will instantly get your incredibly charming sort of salesman. Do you think you were born with that or did you kind of develop that sort of knowing what to say? Knowing, we were talking a bit um, just, just before about how, you know, you don't want to push your salesman. He kind of comes up as like, oh, can I help you, yeah. you know, buy something? So did, did you have to learn that by trial and error?
1: Or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what I found was people buy from people they like, you know, like, People don't mind spending 50p on on a market store or a pound more, 90% of the time. If they're buying from someone that makes them smile, you're not gaining a customer, you're gaining a friend. Because you gain a friend and someone will buy from you again. And and I was always the cheeky chappy, had a good deal, had what you wanted. I weren't always the cheapest, but you know you get a good service, you know you come and see me. People, You
0: you get a little round. Yeah, and so... From from you know working for sort of 16, selling in the markets yeah. to being on the apprentice a few years ago, how did you set up your first business and sort of put yourself in a position uh, to to be on the apprentice? What what what's have what sort of happened between those two points?
1: Well, it, I have been up and down in my life before the apprentice like a yo yo. Like there wasn't anything I didn't sell. I had to go at absolutely everything. I've always done beds and mattresses, but you know, one week I wanted to have my own clothing range, and I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that, and I never really... Problem was with me was I loved spending money. Like, and I learnt that, I learned that because I used to go out with all the boys getting a few quid, and they used to have all these, like, these sales people, and they used to go, what we do is you tackle what the nice bars up like the West End, Tom, and you show them how to spend money, and it makes them want to earn more. And I got in that lifestyle of, well, I like a bottle of pink champagne on a Sunday, so I'm going to try and earn some more money to do it next weekend. And for a few years, I was up and down, up and down. I'd get something going, start cracking. I nearly get there, then something would happen. I'd lose it all, start again. You know, I, 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 I was driving about in 500-pound vans. And, and then next thing you know, I'd buy myself a nice 10-grand van. Then I'd do something wrong and go down, start again. It was, it was literally like I was one week of doing well, one week I weren't. I was always doing all right, but I never really got in front. And when I started really to do well was... I suppose when I met my wife, my fiancée Sinead, and uh, she from North London, Finsbury Park, and she was very, I call her triple S, super sensible Sinead. Because when I, when, I, when I met her, when I first met her, um, I was in London, and I remember I'd, I'd just been trying to set up this trading floor, and it weren't really working. And I literally had a grand to my name. I didn't have a penny. I didn't have no more money, I had a grand. And I met her in this bar, and I spent the old grand on a night out. And I remember thinking, at the end of the night, thinking, uh, Got in his black cab, I knew I had 30 quid, enough from the West End to get to Frindsbury Park. Got to Frindsbury Park, she wouldn't let me get in her ass. I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? So, <laughs> so I had to tell the cabby I had some money and uh, sort of being with her, I sort of wanted to do nice things with her and, and I started knuckling down and then I started getting doing the pillows. And that really started with, when we sort of started living together, she, we, she bought this pillow and it was 98 quid, it was called a Tempur Cloud pillow. And I went, what have you spent the 100 quid on a pillow for, you nutter, like? And I was doing pillows. At the time, I was doing them two for two five at the market anyway. And I remember going to a manufacturer, Jamal, I knew, up in Yorkshire. And I, and I drove up and see him. And I went, mate, cut this pillow open. As is 100 quid. And we, we cut it open. We copied it, like for like. And it cost about nine, ten quid to make. And then I started going around to all furniture shops as a little round, I had about 30, 40 shops, and they'd take 20, 30 pillars a week that they'd sell. And then with the numbers, you're doing sort of five, 600 pillars a week. And when you're nicking sort of fivers and tenners on it, it's good money. Um, and then I thought, hang on a minute, I've got a business here with me market stalls, with me rounds, but I never had enough money to, to really invest in 20, 30,000 pillars. You know, I was always borrowing money. Can I borrow 15 grand? Going, yeah, you can, Tom, but you've got to give me 16 back. And I couldn't, didn't have the capital to, to push on it. My wife, oh my, she was my girlfriend at the time. My fiance at the time. She was like, "I love The Apprentice. You would be different class on it." But what the fuck are they gonna have? A geezer that sells shit out the back of the van. Let's be honest. Who, who you know, hasn't really got a univer hasn't got a university upbringing. hasn't hasn't really done anything with their life. He cracked on and grafted, out and done all right, but hasn't got anything now. I haven't. I've sold things out of a van. Why are they going to pick me? She went, I fill the form out. And she filled the form out, bless her. As you see me early writing in your book, it takes me a little while to write something. And uh, she wrote, well, everything on there was practically a lie, probably. (laughs) And sent the form off. And um, the form come back and said, fantastic, coming from an interview. And there we go, it was on The Apprentice. Right.
0: And so was that one of the incentives? You talk about how you didn't have the kind of capital to sort of launch something slightly longer term was was trying to get the was trying to win the quarter of a million pounds or was it also just more for the experience of being on it and sort of the learning opportunity as well as i suppose some of the media attention or did you not really think about that
1: yeah i mean of course i wanted the quarter million quid but as well in my head i thought wow you know i've got a product and i've watched it four or five million people watch his show like I can't lose from doing it. it. There is nothing to lose from doing it, you know, and, and to be honest you, I did thought from the second I went on and I thought, oh, I'm going to win this absolutely easy lemon squeezy. Like I did. I walked on there, looked around the room and I thought, fucking this would be a piece of piss. <laughs> like I did. <laughs> and how was I wrong? Well, I think,
0: I think that's actually quite a point I was going to ask about. I think I'm a big Apprentice fan. That's when I first um, saw you. I've been watching since I was about nine and particularly the later seasons. I think a lot of I sort of look at it and, and feel almost like it's sort of set up for failure, that, you know, did, did, you get the, did you get the feeling that the sort of, the odds were stacked against you a little bit by the producers? I mean, what you've got to remember is, it is a TV show. So, they do,
1: you know, they do put the uh, sparing in the works. They do, like, I mean, there's a couple of things that I was winning by a million miles. They went, ah, oh, the camera weren't filming that bit, Tom, so we've got to do it again. And you think, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> So, and they do set you up. I mean, you've got to remember, it is very real. Like, you do get 20 minutes to get up in the morning, and it is difficult. And one task takes three days, but they do slightly stack the odds against you. Because obviously, if everyone just smashed it and made it nice and easy, they ain't got a TV. Who's going to watch it? You know what I mean? Everyone has to go, oh, look at them prats on the telly. I'll do it ten times better. But when you're in there, you've got no phone, you've got no computer, you can't look at a newspaper. You're just there and you've got to do what they tell you to do. And sometimes what they tell you to do ain't exactly
0: what it comes across on the screen as well. And on a kind of the, just the sort of personal side, how is it being in that environment with a bunch of people you didn't know, You know, not being able to talk to your friends, your, your wife, your family, um, was, how is that? Was that difficult? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, when I went into it, when they said, oh, we're gonna take your phone off you now,
1: I thought you'd get it back in the evening. They generally take your phone off you you live in a house with uh, 16 or 18 other people that you'd never met before, that you probably wouldn't meet in your circles as well. Um, and it's like being in prison. They tell you when to go to bed, they tell you when to wake up, yeah? they tell you when to eat, and they tell you what you've got to do all day. But I loved it, and, and I really, really enjoyed it. Because I made, obviously, new friends from it, but... There's hundreds of people on that TV show that you don't see, the camera crews, the producers, the people organising it. And I made so many friends, obviously Lord Sugar, Karen Brady, Claude Littner, they're legends, you know, and to meet them, talk and rub shoulders with them, it was an experience, probably the best thing, one of the best experiences
0: I've had in my life. And so, well, as a... I, I, I believe, being a, being a keen viewer, that this actually isn't your first time to Oxford, because I think one of the tasks you were deployed. Well, they sent me to Cambridge. Oh, were you in Cambridge? All <laughs> oh, right, so that's, that's my fault then. But I remember one of the uh, one of the moments from that. You were trying to buy a <coughs> punt, a punt pole. Yeah. And you flipped a coin for, for a deal. That's it, yeah. And I remember some of the, your fellow contestants were sort of a bit uh, were a bit irritated by this sort of style of negotiation. Yeah, I'm, I remember that. So we had to buy a
1: punting pole, which is what they pushed the boats down on on the river, and. Uh, We've gone to this, the wanted like 200 quid for it. I went, mate, it's a bit of metal, like, it's a scaffold pole, let's be honest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, he went, oh, I'll take 80. I said, give you 50 quid for it. Oh, so I'll give you 40 quid for it. He went, no, I want 60, and I went, I'll give you 40 quid for it. And then I went, well, I can't lose it. I'll t- tell you what, if you win, I'll give you 50 quid. And if I win, I'll give you 40 quid. Flip a coin, heads or tails, he went, oh, that's a good deal. <laughs> Touch. Flipped it, and I lost. i still got it for 50 quid. And I remember the girl going, Lottie, her name was. Gosh, she done me brain in. <laughs> <laughs> she went, you don't gamble in business, Thomas. I went, business is one big gamble. What are you talking about? <laughs> and she went, I wouldn't have done it. And I remember, I remember going in the boardroom, and we won the task as well, to be fair. The only task that I did win. It was the only task that I did win. And we were sitting with Lord Sugar, and she went, Thomas flipped a coin, you know, you don't... And Lord Sugar went, what are you talking about, love? And he went like... <laughs> That's the best thing he's done. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, gam-
0: gambling, his life, his business, and it it's, it's, it's sometimes does your favors as well. And uh, what was the what, what was the impact, leaving The Apprentice? Um, obviously, lots of people came sort of enamoured with you. When did you first realise, because obviously it's it filmed much in yeah. advance, when did you first realise when you're watching the show that actually... You you were just more than the regular uh, sort of apprentice contestant to most people's minds. So, what you don't know is you're in that house for seven weeks, no phone,
1: no contact with the outside world. And my mates, being my mates, made up a joke that I was in prison. And everyone believed it, all right? <laughs> so, when I come back from being away from seven weeks, he was going, How hey, was it in there? We, oh, oh, and that was my mate Big Lang. So, I went, well, Why did you spread that rumour? I told you I was on your. He went, No one's gonna believe in your apprentice, yeah? And I kept telling people that I filmed The Apprentice. And everyone was going, Tom, shut up, you've not been on The Apprentice. You're talking nonsense here, mate. And then obviously the months went past and I remember it came out on BBC, on Daily Mail, on all the newspapers that I was in The Apprentice. And my phone went mad, but all my mates going, you actually, I mean, I told you, why would I like you? Like, I was generally away filming The Apprentice. And um, then obviously you get like, social media's a mad place, like literally like, People, I love social media, but obviously you have got the dark side. So people give it to you and spread rumours about you and give you abuse all the time. And I remember like the first episode, I got slaughtered, absolutely slaughtered. Who's this white boy? Who do you think he is? Like, um, and they hadn't really got to see me character. And I thought, oh fuck, hell, know, I've done a wrong here. Like, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I remember they sat they go to look. People are gonna either love you or hate you, like. Ignore the press, and then obviously stories come out about my past, and, and I thought, oh, this what have I done? Like, this is going to ruin me. And I, I was really, really genuinely worried. For once in my life, I thought, I've made a mistake. And the next week come, when I had to sell the ice lollies, and I literally sold them all, and, and Claude was like, he's got a talent, and it was a really good episode for me. And, and, and then all of a sudden, I was a legend. And and then, and then, and then that was the episode where they kept having me say Bosh. <laughs> I've been saying Bosch since I was a little boy in a market and it just become famous. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it sort of spiralled on from there. And I, I remember two things I remember really, really madly was after about three or four weeks, I went to a shopping centre called Lakeside Shopping Centre, which is in Thurrock, in Essex, to go and get a new pair of trainers. And I parked literally right outside and I was on my own. And as I walked to the door, it was, right, it, was a, it was a Saturday or a busy day. I literally walked the door, as I opened the door, I got swarmed by hundreds of people, and I thought, what's going on here, this is madness. Like Selfies, and I was like, people give me their babies. I thought, what is going on? I, I couldn't believe it, hold oh, me baby, I, I, honestly, I was so shocked at what was going on. And, um, and I remember that we had, a, we had a website at the time selling pillows online, and the more on the show I went, the more pillows I sold online. It was just an unreal experience. Honestly, she's, like, I'll, I'll, the Daily Mail would ring you up and say, oh, and I'd make up stories, I used to go, oh yeah, they go, anything happened in the house, Tom? And I remember going, Ryan Mark and Lewis shared a bath together. <laughs> and it made the papers, like anything, it was just crazy. It was a, it was a mad time, it was a mad <laughs> They obviously didn't share a bath
0: together. <laughs> And so, um, so, you, so you talked about your pill, pillow business yeah. um, started to get a bit better. Where did did, did you continue that for a bit? Where, yeah, so you...
1: that actually went insane. So on the day that I got fired, and Lord Sugar give it, if I was at war and I was a general <laughs> and I was in the trenches and want you by my side, and I was sitting, I nearly started tearing up. To be fair, I thought that's nice food. So normally you just goes you're fired. <laughs> and then it was that evening when it went insane for me. Like I mean. We done. We took thousands and thousands of orders over them, and it was coming up to Christmas. And it, we literally had all my mates. We we couldn't set, We couldn't bag them up fast enough. We couldn't make them quick enough up in Salford where I was working as manufacturer to, to do them. And it was, it was a mad, mad process. Like we was, people, DP, DPD and um, Hermes at the time. Trucks coming in, put, filling up pillars. Honestly, and I never seen money like it really before. It was insane, and it got to. It was blinding business. and It done really well, and then unfortunately, the man I was
0: working with died during COVID, and then that was the end of that business. So, so what did you do? How did you recover? Is this when Bosch bed started? Yeah, So
1: then, so then it was a funny time during COVID because we'd just moved to Brentwood in Essex, and Sinead was pregnant, and uh, I thought, oh, and I'd just filmed Celebrity MasterChef as well, and then COVID happened, and I thought. I had all these TV jobs lined up, and I was going to be a big TV star, and I thought, but well, I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't tell you where my life was taking me. And it was the first time in my life where I was actually a little bit unsure what was going to happen, because I'd just moved to this lovely house. I'd just, done, I'd just bought a big car, my first big car. I had to find £1,000 a month to pay for that on finance. and Because it was going so well, and then all of a sudden it stopped dead, I thought... And I got a baby and I thought, what am I going to do? Because like, all this TV work that I was going to do has now been put on hold because of COVID. And the man that I was working with passed away, sadly. And I don't know, and everything's shut, you know. And I've, and I've got, I ain't got no savings, you know. I had a few grand put away. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember with the money that I had, I remember bringing up Lanks. I said, what should, what should I do, mate? He said, mate, he said, we got to go. We can't do no markets because everyone's scared to leave their house. And I remember going, what about that fellow He used to buy the mattresses off? I wonder if he's still open. And I, and I rang him up and um, I sp- he went, mate, I'm, I've got a contract to build a nursing home, I, I can still make mattresses. And I went, can I come and buy some of it? And it was literally a mad, mad one. And I went, I drove to Bristol with Lanks, and I bought the biggest van I had. And it was the last bit of my money. And I bought this brand new big Volkswagen Crafter van. I had about a grand left over and I bought a private plate saying Y2 Bosch as well. And I stuck that on it. <laughs> and uh, drove down to, to the mattress guy. And he said, he said, you know, he said you he said you fell out love of love with me. You've been doing pillars, Tom. What's happened? Because he used to buy loads of beds off him. And you know? I said, mate, I said, I know I've been crack, cracking my right own and that. He said, Bloody hell. He said, well, look, I I can still do it, and I can still do the mattresses. And he said, do you want to start doing them again? I said, yeah. So I literally went on Twitter and I done a video and I remember standing up in his warehouse, all his mattresses behind me. And I went, right, I said, I know it's COVID and the shops are shut. I said, but who needs a new mattress? Because I'm still working, I'm still delivering. And I took the chance and I said, people need beds to sleep on. If you need a mattress, we'll do it to your house. We'll disinfect it or we'll put a mask on, whatever you want. We'll go to the front door and we'll deliver. We'll work seven days a week. And I put this tweet up and I put it on Instagram and we got such a big response. I thought, wow, we've got a business here. And me and Lanks. He, and Big Lange, is called Big Lange because he's about six foot eight, covered in tattoos, the scariest looking man in the world, right? but he's a lovely man. Me and him, through the whole first lockdown, worked seven days a week, did not stop, because there was no cars No, we were getting sort of 20, 30 deliveries on a day, going all over the country, dropping off mattresses, and it was brilliant, and, it was, and I thought, wow, we've seriously got business here, and, and we started really cracking on, and getting in front, getting in front, you know, people were going like, it's great, every, and we had no competition, we was lucky. And that's when I really started to earn my money. And, and, then, and then when it comes in the lockdown, I thought I've got a business here. And then I started doing beds and, I, and I, I bought an office. I employed a sales team, I bought a warehouse, I bought a manufacturing machine. I started putting my money to investing it into bits. And I sort of didn't realise that I was on a wave from lockdown you know, I was earning phenomenal money, and that wave after lockdown, because I would all these overheads now, it became a lot harder. You couldn't do thirty deliveries a day in one van. You know, you had to have four vans to do that because there was traffic again, and then it, and then obviously everything got more expensive and it started getting a bit harder. But you know, we made it happen, and, and it, it got to a point where we was, we, was, we was taking like 130, 140 grand a week in bed sales, which is phenomenal, but it was so hard to manage and. From what I loved doing in the van and working hard, and I loved doing it with my mate, and we was doing it. It become after you know a year, getting shops and outlets and, sa- and sales staff. If you ever met sales staff, they're the worst people in the world. I had loads of them. Yeah, they was all rowing every day, and they was all nicking each other's sales. And and I actually fell out of love with it. And then it, and then I, was, I had to find thirty-three thousand pound a week to pay me exes. It was disgusting. Like it was hard. And then I thought, I'm working seven days a week, I'm making myself feel I'm struggling with this. Like, and I just one day I thought, you know what? As big as we was and as good as we were, and as profitable as it was, I went, this ain't me. I ain't I ain't a corporate person. I'm never have been. And, and I niched it. I shut all the shops. I, I let all the staff go. I sold the ware. I got every rid of everything and boom, started again. And I and, and then sold off the website and that was it, and then I went. I went back to working the market stalls again because it's what I know, it's what I enjoy, and I was, and I was happy, and I was a bit in front as well. You know, I could the,
0: the pressure was off a little bit. Do you think, in many ways, actually, then it was a, somewhat of a blessing in disguise that you didn't win The Apprentice? That <coughs> you would have been put into a more kind of corporate thing, working alongside Lord Sugar. That actually, what what really kind of motivates you? And I, you know, I was going to ask also, how do you stay so motivated? You're up at sort of three, four a.m. Yeah. Doing it, does, does it have to be a sort of passion project for you to get behind it?
1: I think what I've learned is money isn't my god. I think like I could have easily built up a business and sold for millions and millions of pounds. Yeah. And I've found out that money don't make rule me, if that sound, if that makes any sense. I enjoy enjoying what I do. Now, me and my friend Collins, and we've just I've just started writing a book about this, believe it or not. We've got a book coming out about this is I'm happy when I've got my little team, my friends around me, and that's one of the biggest things I've learned in life, is one thing in life, always make sure you've got good people around you. Because when you're in that big corporate thing, and which I would have been with Lord Sugar, is you end up with these people that are telling you what to do all the time. And they're pulling you from pillar to post, and you've got this meeting with that manufacturer, and you need to be there, and you end up doing what you're told to do, and you've got Investor, it, 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 that's not me. I like doing what I like to do, and I like I like enjoying. And in in a weird way, that's how the Dino's calf videos come around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and um, just sort of you know on on Bosch Beds, but now you've also got Bosch Gym. Yeah. How, how important do you think that you, you know your sort of personal your personality as a branding aspect is 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 for your success? And people just as you say, from a very early age, people sort of bought into you because, you know, you're friends with them, they can trust you, that, I guess, gets harder as you expand, but, you know, through social media, do you think that people want to do business with you because they get a sense of who you are and, and feel a sense of, feel a connection?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy, like, I've, I've been offered so many work opportunities, like, people are going, can you fly out to here and do a sales conference? I've been going into the city and giving, speak, pardon me, sorry, at had a cababon right there, um, a bit, like, you get these mad, like I don't know, but I'm just, I'm just myself, like... I am literally a market trader from Romford. I will never lose where I've come from, ever, like... And I think that's where I've just always been true to myself, you know, like... I ain't just because... I get recognised everywhere now, like... I've worked hard all my life, but I'm just a normal bloke. Like, I'm just a normal bloke, that's me. I like a beer on a Friday. I like watching West Ham. I know we're crap at a minute, but... I like watching West Ham and I like
0: working hard and providing my family, and that's me. And I think that's probably why that helps me out, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that probably resonates with a lot of people. And, um, you know, obviously, it's quite a difficult time for small business is mm. at, at the moment. What, what are your thoughts on on uh, on the sort of current climate and the cost of living crisis? And, and what's sort of your words of motivation to people who are, you know, um, just trying to be salesmen and make a living through business?
1: I think it, now is the hardest time to make money. It really, really is. I mean, one thing that I learned... The day the Russia-Ukraine war happened, I was the day before I was paying 66 pound plus VAT for a double divan bed a cheap one I'd done, that I sold hundreds every week at 200 quid. Yeah, well, 100 every week at 200 quid. The day after the the war was declared, for whatever reason I cannot tell you, that went up to 130 pound plus VAT, and that was across. It was literally like man, people sort of use these big things that happened in the world. To benefit off it, and that's what I've learned is wrong. Especially big companies, they find these things happening in the world, and they will profiteer off of it. And now is the time, more than ever, to support small businesses, SMEs. Small businesses are the backbone of Britain. Like, if we lose us, like they pay for the NHS, they pay for the roads. Like the taxes that small businesses do and pay pays for our country, and everyone forgets that sometimes. And you're not just, when you're going to butcher, you might be paying 50p more, a local butcher, but you're, you're not just funding someone's lavish, you're not. You might be paying for, a, for someone's little boy to have football lessons on the weekend, or you're keeping the foundation going, but you're also supporting local farmers. I mean, like, I go to a cafe called Dino's Cafe in Noose Market in late in East London most mornings, because I've been going there before we went to the market still, before I sent the van. So We've always gone there, and I've always gone there and give a little motivational speech to me workers, and that's how the, the video started, but... When you're sitting there, you see greengrocers who have families, generations, they're being absolutely annihilated by the likes of Aldi's and Tesco's because they're, what they're doing is they're getting the farmers, UK farming especially, is on its knees because they've signed 15, 20-year deals to buy things at a certain price and all of a sudden, diesel's gone up, everything's gone up. They can't, they can't grow the veg for what they haven't said it for anymore. So we have to make sure we look after small businesses i mean i know like it, it sometimes is there and we can't it's a cost of living crisis i know but if we support small businesses it will turn around if we carry on paying to big corporations we will we'll be screwed
0: fact and is there anything apart from the, the, as consumers supporting is there anything you'd want the government to do in order to to support small businesses Be that maybe you know higher windfall taxes on sort of corporations excessively profiteering off of war and that sort of thing.
1: I mean, like, I mean, I'm I'm, having this check, corporation tax went up. We're going, oh, yeah, but that's only on over 50 grand. 50 grand profit for us is not a lot of money nowadays when you've got vans to run. You know, people don't understand this. Like, I think we need to, I think small businesses need to be supported a lot more and they need to be more grants to help, Entrepreneurs and people looking to get on their feet, because look, I, I was very lucky. You know, I, I, I've always done well for myself, and, I, and I'm lucky that I've got a lovely house and a lovely family, a lovely cars. I've got lovely things, but I've worked hard to get there. But there's so many people that have got these ideas and have got these fantastic things that they can bring to the, bring, you know, bring to our country and bring to bring to our economy, and they've not got the funding or the backing, and they get overlooked. And then what happens is Big companies, like the likes of Amazon, will smash the... I mean, Amazon is a bully. Amazon is out an out-and-out bully. Like, I know a lot of people sell for Amazon, but Amazon dictate what you sell it for, and they dictate what they're going to pay you. Like, facts. Like, but you can go on a market and sell it for what you want and have 100% of your money. You know what I mean? So I, I do think that we do need to be doing a lot more to support people wanting to go on their own.
0: And so for some of us, to, you know, today, you might, like yourself, not really aspire to a 9-to-5 job or... You know having a boss what, what would your advice be b- b- both on sort of how to go about that what skills you need to develop and also you know whether you, you've, you've spoken about people like selling off of amazon mm. you know i think a lot of people these days who are looking to kind of you know like get out of the matrix i suppose all that kind of yeah. thing you know think about it in a very online way about you know drop shipping crypto does is, is that is that something you'd recommend or do you still think that the, the, the way to really kind of control your own destiny is not to be a, a small cog in that big machine, but do it yourself. There's a million selling websites that you can do for yourself and have 100% of the
1: money. Like, why go to Amazon when you can set up a Shopify account? You know what I mean? Your base, you, can, you can sell just, as, just because you've got Amazon, yeah, which they're huge, but there's tens of thousands of people selling the same product to you on Amazon. And like to get on that front page, you see, this is the, the, the thing that people get sucked into is, let's for example, I'm selling that bottle of water. So there might be 10,000 other people selling that bottle of water. And he's he sold 40,000 this month for a quid. Yeah, right, but he's been doing it and pumped money into it and pushed it and got back in. Like, I think go on your own, push yourself, never give up. Like through my whole life, I've sold, there ain't a, there ain't a commodity that I ain't sold. I'll be honest with you, I've sold absolutely everything. Some things work, some things ain't, but don't never give up, like, always carry on, because you could be that close, and I mean it, that close to making it crack, and if you just think, oh, it weren't for me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get there, I'll go back to doing this, I'll do that, don't never give up on yourself, like, don't go, I mean, I've always said this, don't never go home until you're proud, if you can go home, and when you lay your bed say, do you know what, I'm proud of what I've done today, then you know you cracked it,
0: you know what I mean, keep on pushing, because you will get there, trust me, you'll get there. I think on that inspiring note, we'll open it up to questions for the, from, from the floor. Does anyone... Do you have a microphone to pass around? Right, so yeah. Does anyone have any questions? Yeah, Liam. My question is, uh, will you run for the Mayor of London? <laughs> <laughs> do you know
1: what? Um... I've been asked this question quite a lot recently, and I would, I would love to run for Mayor of London. And I've been speaking to some people in very high places about this as well. But I don't know. I don't know enough. I'm not going to hold my hands up. Yeah. Please remember, like I am a market trader, not a politician. You know. And there is millions of things that I know I'd make better for London. Especially, I mean, of course, I mean the ULEZ thing is terrible. It's killing people. You know. There is a cost of living crisis. There's a million things that I'd make better for London. But, again, I'd love to do it, but at the same time, get into politics. I don't know if if I'm educated enough, is the honest answer.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a a risky investment because then you have to pay £5,000 to to, to run and you, you only get that back if you get a certain... I mean, I'll, I, look, I have been speaking to a few people yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> well, we'll see. So, so, so we're not going to have any official launch of the Oxygenian. There's no exclusive coming. No. All right. Okay. Uh, that was a bit cheeky of me. Any, any, <laughs> uh, any anyone have another question? So, Thomas, you're moving from the world of business into football management, it seems, going out to manage West Ham in America. Congratulations. Do you think your business skills will be able to transfer into football? And are there any great managers that you're going to look up to as you try to bring West Ham success in America?
1: God, oh, mate, what, 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 what a mad one. You know, you know this, that was the maddest phone call I've ever had in my life, by the way. So I literally got a phone call. I got, I, now I'm going into the world of TV and all this social media, and it's an it's absolute whirlwind to me. Um, I got a phone call, basically, I thought it was a wind-up. Can you, can you come to West Ham and have a chat with us because we're wanting to go to branch out and make West Ham big in America um, and we think you'd be brilliant managing the team. And I went, you what? and, I, and, I, and my, my friend Cole, good, my good friend Colin, he's a black cab driver and he's ended up becoming my full-time driver and we go over in a black cab. And uh, the meeting was set for nine n- nine o'clock in the morning nine o'clock in the morning at West Ham, and I told me dad, and he told me Uncle Steve, and then I t- silly told him the time. Well, I remember I was getting dressed, and, uh, and as I looked out my window, I was upstairs, I was putting my clothes, and I looked out, and I see Cole pulling, and I thought, who is that in the back of the cab? Random. I'm going on my own, and I come down downstairs, and and. Uh, my dad and my uncle Steve would turn up and they come to the meeting with me. Oh, mate, I thought, don't start. they think they are coming as well. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I think I'm there to be positive, really, and push the team. I mean, I, I played football when I was younger. I've managed a few youth teams. <laughs> I mean, managing the West Ham Legends team is a bit different. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's insane. I mean, obviously, i will be a bit different to David Moyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Another big opportunity that I've been given, so I'm blessed. I'm blessed.
0: What 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 are your what what's your advice to uh, the current to, to the UK West Ham team? Is there I think we pretty low on the table at the moment. I think we're safe. I think we're safe. You know, we've got we we've got, um,
1: I'm going up to I'm going up to Man City on, on uh, during the week. It's a long drive up there. I, I mean, we're like going to take a batter in there. I know that. <laughs> and then we've got Man United, which I think we'll get. I think we'll actually get a point or maybe beat Man United. we always do well. Against Man United at home, so that'd be a good game. But I think we're safe, but we've just got to carry on carrying on. You know yeah. what I mean? We, West Ham is like, we can play world class football for 15 minutes and then
0: it all falls apart. Like, it's just, it's typical West Ham, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan and it's, it was pretty, pretty cutting to You've see. You've ruined that one, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to some of your motivational TikToks as I'm crying at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Yeah. Um, you appeared on GMV uh, either early, sort of last week um, and seemed to have lots of fun um, talking about celebrating St George's Day. I've got a very simple question: whose idea was it to bring the small England flags and wave them? Mine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: that was, a, that was a mad one, wasn't it? So when I got the call from ITV the day before, I said, Tom, can you come? I, was, I said, fantastic. I love coming and having... I've done, I've done probably about 20 or 30 of them now. And they um, said, we're going to be having... We see your tweet about people... Because I, I, I did. I put a tweet out saying, happy St. George's. That's what I've done. Tweet, happy St. George's Day. I got a DM within three minutes. Mate, you should take that tweet down. It's a bad look for you. People will unfollow you. I thought, well, that's nonsense, like, do you know what I mean? I think that's absolute nonsense. So I've done another tweet, so I can't believe I've had this, had this um, message sent in, but I'm proud to be English, you know, and I'm going to celebrate St George. I'm proud about Only Fools and Horses, Cups of Tea, Black cabs, The City of London, William Shakespeare. And, and, and the, 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 the tweet went absolutely <laughs> viral. I think it was on, like, four million views. It's mental, so they've rung us up and so said, we've seen your tweet. What we want to do is, they basically tricked me a little bit because they went, we're going to have a debate um, tomorrow.
0: It was a pretty one sided debate. You yeah. weren't given very much speech. Well, no, China, I didn't I know thought. this. I, didn't, yeah. I was
1: told that I was going to be debating traditional England, English values. Yeah, like, so it was like, they was like, we want you to talk about, you know, why it's important to have a takeaway, fish and chips on a Friday night, and why it's important to have a cup of tea. Like, that's, that's what I was told the debate was about. So, oh, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. I'll see you in the morning. When I got there, Know me, little England flags. I'm going to say it. We St. George's. There St. George's Day. When I got there, Gino De Campo was in there having a cup of tea, and I'm talking to Gino De Campo. And then this lady walks in. and She's got these scripts, this Narinda, and, and she's, fighting, and she looks really angry enough. And they went, "Oh, that's who you're um, having a debate with." Oh, no, all right, lovely. And then um, they went, "Oh, Tom, uh, did you get the email about about bringing uh, an England shirt?" And I went, "No, nah, I didn't, but I brought me England flag." And then I went on there, and I literally, they was, and I thought, wow, she hates England, like, and I didn't, and they didn't talk to me. They just let her go on and on, and then she was going, honestly, like really, quite intense. I thought, what's going on here? What, like, it's just a day, like, come and leave it out, like, ain't that big a deal? You know what I mean, like? And then she's going on about right wing people, and I thought, just let people enjoy it, be English for one day, just let them enjoy it, celebrate. I'm from, I'm from England. I'm happy. St George's Day. That's it. That's it. You know, I'm proud to be English. I'm proud to be British. And she's getting more and more agitated, and she's round with red balls, and then all of a sudden I thought, well this." so I'm gonna wave the flag. <laughs> <laughs> so in in a in a true British, I just sat there, waved my little flag, and then she went for me. And I just la- laughed. And I just laughed. I just laughed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was actually, we had a bit of a I, I mentioned earlier, we, it, this came up, it was quite big in Oxford because one of the colleges cancelled the St. George's Day demonstration. I think, you know, as much as you know, the point she was making about there are lots of parts of, you know, the, the flag's been used by lots of far-right groups. I, I You know, I think everything you said about um, there are still things we can be proud of about it. Um, and actually, it's, it's a way to reclaim it. You know, it, mm. is, it is our flag. It's how people view us. And if you go abroad, people are always very, you know, proud of the English, I find.
1: I don't think we should bow down to the, to the minority people that have made it, that have hijacked it. I think we should take it back. You know what I mean? Like... It's, our, it's a flag at the end of the day and it's our flag and we should be proud of it and we shouldn't let people that have made it you know, a, a mad right wing um, icon, let's just take it back and let's be proud to be English, proud to be British, let's, let's, let's bring that back again. I think that, look, that's, that's really, really important, especially in, in today's day as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, does anyone have another question? Yes. Uh, You mentioned you've had a lot of up and downs, you've had some money one day, no money the next. Have you stayed happy throughout that? Has that been hard?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been, I've always been a very happy, positive person. Like, you know, I mean, when I was skin, I mean, when I I had to go and stay my mum's for a bit years ago, I'm talking years in my late teens, I was, I never had a bedroom. So I was on a pull-out futon on my mum's front room floor and in a two-up, two-down house, and I didn't have a ten in my pocket and I didn't know where I was going to get my next bit of dough from, and I'd sold me a bit of van a pay a bill, and, I, and then I still stayed positive, you know? But what I used to do was I was so embarrassed that I was on the floor and standing in this pull-out bed that I'd wake up before everyone in, in my mum, before my mum, my brother and sister woke up, I'd leave the out, I'd be gone, I'd wake up at 6 o'clock, and I'd make sure I'd be getting home at 9 o'clock when everyone's going to bed. Because I was so embarrassed, and, and, and then during them days I didn't know how I was going to find my money. I just went out and knocked on doors, and carried on, and knocked on doors, and met people. I, 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 hold my hands up. I always asked for help, anything you can do to me. Can I borrow a bit of money, go and buy some stock, can I do this? During that done? I always tried and find an angle, you know? And I, and I wasn't there for long. I was there, but I wasn't there for long. And I think if I was to sit there and stay depressed or down or demotivated, I'd still be there. So I think you need to in life, when the chips are down, and they're always going to come down, they will, They will always be a bad time, you need to remember that you can be up there. Anyone in this life has got the opportunity to be up there, absolutely anyone. And I think when the chips are down, that's the time when you've really got to be happy, because that's the time when you've got to put knuckle in, put the heels in, and march on forward and give yourself the opportunity. Absolutely.
0: Any, any other questions? Yes.
1: Hi, um, I was just wondering if you're still in contact with any of your fellow contestants from The Apprentice. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, so I um, speak to. I've got. I've got. We've actually got a group chat called Sugar Babes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, um, funny story. I actually, I actually, got what I speak to Lord Sugar's daughter and son quite a bit on WhatsApp. So funny story. Every week, I send a WhatsApp out to about, I don't know, there's a couple go out, a few hundred people, and it's things that I've got, fills of the week is what it normally is. And it could be, I've got 25 chandeliers, or I've got 30, whatever it is, and they go out. And this one week, I had a couple hundred of Rolex clocks, wall clocks. And I put it all out there, and I'd somehow, this was a pure accident, added Lord Sugar to the WhatsApp group. And I sent this picture of 28 different Rolex wall clocks, all go on the walls. It was 150 quid each, and I sent it out. And all me found Lord Sugar, and I thought, what the fuck? And I looked at it and he went, "I'll have a few of those, mate." <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite, he, he bought he bought loads. He bought about 20 of me, and he was on. Sky News a little while ago and he's obviously and he had three of the clocks behind him and I thought, you know what, they're from me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I, speak, I speak to, we've got, we got a group chat, we, we're trying to meet up soon. I, I told all of them, because they all live all over the place. I said, why don't you all come down, I'll stay at mine for, for the day. So we, we, end of the month, hopefully, we're going to meet up round mine and have a little party.
0: Yeah, you, you said that Lossie wound you up a bit. Was there another contestant you would really got on with?
1: Yeah, I, I really liked all of them. To be fair. even Lottie, she okay. done me oh. any look. Look, I don't not get on with people. I got on with absolutely all of them. To be fair, um, she was a little bit hard work, bless her. Lottie, but she was a nice girl. Do you know what I mean? It's
0: great. Was there another question there? Yes. Hi, um, I'm actually from Romford as well, so I was just wondering, like, in what ways, like, the area you grew up in influenced you um, today, like, the person you are now and stuff?
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Well, as you know, Romford is the centre of the universe. The best town in the world. Um, So, obviously, I grew up within walking distance of Romford Market, and that, I mean, not so much now, but when I was a little boy, was the best market probably in the UK. There was not... A square foot on that market that wasn't covered with a stall. Honestly, it was mobbed. And used to go there on a, on on, on, um, on a weekend or on a Friday, and it was it was mobbed. It was mobbed like I'm talking. Every single aisle you couldn't get down. You couldn't see. There were so many people. And I used to love. There was a man called Ron. I don't know why I remember his name, but Ronnie Saint, and he used to wear a big chain around his neck with an axe on it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And he used to sell toys, stand up, And I used to love the shouting in the market and then, we had a dog as well and I used to go and buy pig's ears off the market. And Romford was a town of like, it's just outside East London, but everyone is from East London, if you know what I mean. And everyone has sort of gone there to sort of crack on and everyone was grafted in Romford. There was always deals to be done and, and I think growing up around there, it was it was a good place to grow up. It was, as you know, it can be quite rough at nights, Romford as well. I mean, it's a rough town, it's, it's a rough place, but... If you, was, if you was caught the wrong side of a back in my day, Brannigan's and all that, you'd be getting knocked Park out. But at the same time, you, you, in the morning, the market's busy you can earn a few quid. I mean, I had burger vans on run Market, and growing up around there was brilliant because I got, I got taught by my mates a bit older than me that you've got to be tough in life and you don't take no shit from no one. But at the same time, you can make money and do whatever you want to do as well from Rumford. So I love, I love growing up in Rumford, the best place in the world.
0: Any final questions from the audience? uh hi tom i was wondering could you recommend me a breakfast to make tomorrow morning
1: the breakfast to have yeah one of my so basically the the reason why i have such big meals because when we was doing the markets and 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 we would start work about three o'clock in the morning you know and and my routine especially with the beds as well was with everything really was get to the warehouse three o'clock in the morning send out the vans for delivery send out the orders set up the market stalls go and have a bit of breakfast load up the vans go and have a bit of breakfast and we by that time once you get to sort of five six o'clock you're starving and obviously in late and in where it is in, in east london just round the corner from stratford because it's all the green grocers they they start work at like 11 midnight and it opens at 2am and shuts at 10am and, and and everyone's sort of having their dinner it's mad it's like back to front times and you're starving and when we all go in there like ernie goes what, what do you want tom we got Spicy Korean noodles with chicken breast and two poached eggs. Or well, we've got the sunshine chicken curry and round chips. There's no breakfast on the menu. And uh, I'd recommend the spicy Korean noodles because I love them. You know what I mean? I absolutely love them. But yeah, we've always had a big meal to get us going because if you're standing out in the cold on a market stall, which I've done since since 1516, bacon sandwich ain't going to keep you warm in the winter and it ain't going to let you... because you, you do 20,000 steps on a good market stall, backwards and forwards in a day, l- at least. So a big breakfast, I can, I can guarantee you, he's miles better than, you know, a croissant
0: or something like that. All right, unless there's any final questions, we we, we mentioned earlier maybe doing, doing, a, doing one of your videos. Do you want to do one? In, I'd love in, to do one. All right, all right, okay, shall we do a film? I'd you know? love to do one.
1: Yeah, so, so what should we... Should we get our cameraman over there to film it? Would
0: you? Yeah, mind? we'll, we'll, do, we'll it'll, it'll, be, it'll be on the cameraman. Oh, on yeah. the camera, not my phone. I've got my phone out. Look. Yeah, yeah. We can do it. We can do it in a high-tech way. Yeah, but so if you should... want to get up and just uh, say, give a motivational. What? Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say now. I, I, I ain't got no
1: chicken curry in front of me. <laughs> uh,
0: well, it's it's not morning.
1: It's um. Ten to nine. So. Good evening, you lovely, lovely people of Oxford Union. Now, first I want to say I'm absolutely honoured to be here. It's different class, one of the best things I've ever done, and you're all here aspiring, you know, you're grafting hard, you're all working on your education, and and, and you're all going to crack it in life. And let me tell you all one thing, yeah? Don't give up. When it's hard and you feel like, I can't do this no more, carry on going on. Give it 110% because in six months, two years, whenever, you'll be so proud of yourselves that you knuckled down and you got on with it and you smashed it. Or because in two or three years' time you didn't, you'll think, why didn't I just listen to Tom Skinner (laughs) and give it 110%, yeah? So crack on with life. You're all going to be absolute winners. Believe in yourself and don't go home until you're proud. Thank you for having me. (laughs) A